Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gray morning. We thank you that you are present with us uh, in every kind of uh, setting. And, and Lord, when it's beautiful and sunny, when it's uh, horrid and, and uh, thunderstorms, as, as Luther uh, uh, experienced uh, running through the field and, and uh, begging for your deliverance, Lord. And, uh, and then on days like this, that can seem kind of pedantic and and blah, and uh, we lack the unction to get up and go, and even some to get up and come to church. Lord, we just pray that we would find in you uh, in new zeal for your name, uh, that you would fill us with a desire to proclaim the gospel, Lord, to uh, spread the good news. And along those lines, Lord, we thank you for our friend here today from the Gideons and pray that you would be with him as he uh, shares with the congregation and, and uh, talks with the class here. And Lord, we pray that you would uh, be glorified uh, in the work of the Gideons and that Lord, we could uh, have some role to play in that and supporting them and, and uh, helping to uh, get the word of God into the hands of people who, uh, though they may be surrounded by it all the time and have access to it at every moment in innumerable translations, Lord, have never actually opened their their Bibles and read. And Lord, we pray that we could help people to uh, take that vital step of, of encountering your word. And, and Lord, we trust that your spirit will be at work when that happens. Uh, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we were almost done with the ninth commandment, I do think. I don't have an old-timey sermon illustration for you today. Uh, we had been talking about uber gray areas, moral conundrums, if you know, the, the Nazis come to your door and say, are you hiding Jews? Is it a sin to say no? So today let's talk about something that's a little closer to home. I don't know how many times this week you guys had the Nazis banging on your doors, but I had that happen zero times. Uh, but another aspect of the Ninth Commandment is certainly protecting your neighbors and your own good name. That's uh, primarily what the Catechism tells us is required of the Ninth Commandment, maintaining and promoting of truth between man and man, of our own and our neighbor's good name, especially in witness bearing. Uh, and one way in which we fail to protect our neighbor's good name is via slander or gossip. What's the difference between gossip and slander? Slanders and print. Isn't that libel? No. Yeah. yeah. Slander is more, I think, hurtful. Slander is more hurtful. It's being more hurtful, I think. Well, both of them are hurtful, but that's more more targeted. If someone takes me to court for slander, and the judge says, well, "What makes this slander?" and I say, "Well, it was really hurtful," I don't think that's going to get me over the the hurdle. Isn't slander like? False. Yeah, so slander's got to be a lie. So it, it does wind up being more hurtful in the out, out, the long run because now we're introducing false information. Gossip is generally true, although it often tends to take on a life of its own and become exaggerated. Neither of these is becoming of a Christian. Both of them are condemned in the Old and New Testament alike, uh, especially uh, when you get into Paul's uh, epistles and he starts giving specific instructions to different segments of the church. Gossip becomes a huge kind of point of contention. And so we want to be careful about either of those. And you might say, well, I'm not really breaking the Ninth Commandment if I'm not technically bearing false witness. Um, okay, you're committing a, a different sin if that's the out you want. But the Catechism and Christian tradition in general puts this under the umbrella of the Ninth Commandment. 
Uh, Augustine's mother, oh, maybe I do have a very short, old-timey, slimmer illustration. Augustine's mother hated slander and gossip so much and impressed this on Augustine so deeply that long after her death, he had engraved on his table these words, He that is wont to slander absent men may never at this table sit again. Or another rendering of it, Who injures the name of an absent friend may not at this table as guest attend. Those are both attempts to take a Latin phrase and make it rhyme in English, but you get the gist of it, right? If you're going to sit here and talk about people who aren't here, you're not going to sit here anymore, which sounds kind of hard-nosed, but then again, Augustine was kind of hard-nosed. I think that's a a really uh, laudable position to take. I'm just not going to be part of this. If you're going to slander somebody, if you're going to defame them, if you're going to whisper about them, uh, I'm just not going to be in your company anymore. Because isn't it, I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a man and gossip is a quote-unquote women's sin, right? You hear about that all the time. Especially, I listen to a lot of old guys, a lot of them are even dead, on the radio, Adrian Rogers, Charles Stanley, a lot of these, these, these like classic preachers and they'll often get into and you women are you gossiping and things and I think I don't know I I see the appeal and and you know not even from like a the part of me that likes fancy things and might be considered a little bit uh, suspect in the manly department right I'm talking about just like don't doesn't everyone just like to trash talk people isn't that kind of or mock people or uh, you know kind of say the, the really clever thing about the person who's not there. Now, it can be done in good fun. I think there's a, a bar you might consider, which is, would I say this if they were present? Um, we're always in our men's group on Sunday nights, ripping on each other all the time in good fun and in love, whether the other person is there or not, or whether they're running late or whatever. I don't, I don't ever think to myself, gosh, the gossip's getting out of hand here. No, you know, there, there's... there's fun, uh, kind of fraternal ribbing, but then there's something you would never say if someone was there. I've often heard it said that the difference between flattery and, and gossip is one of them is saying something about someone that you would never say behind their back when they're there. The other is saying something behind their back that you would never say to their face. And both of those go against that core principle of let your yes be yes, let your no be no, uh, simply speak the truth regardless of how it's going to win you favor, how it's going to uh, make someone laugh, how it's going to perhaps put you in a better position because you've, you've hurt someone else's good name. Uh, Christina Rossetti, who's probably my very favorite poet, and no, maybe Dorothy Sayers, but they're both up there kind of neck and neck. She wrote these words that I really like. Party feeling, party feeling of course, meaning a group of people together, we think maybe of uh, political thinking or Uh, denominationalism or something. Party feeling, whether called religious zeal or national antagonism or political creed, becomes simple malice and is simply devilish when it leads us not only to condemn opponents, but to wish that they may be really as unworthy as history or rumor makes them. To court and hug and blaze abroad every tittle of evidence which tells against them and turn a dull ear to everything which tells in their favor. Charity rejoices, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. The tendency we have to kind of go, ooh, ooh, is this juicy? Is this going to really you know, make everybody perk up? Let's hear that. But, oh, you're just saying something good about someone that I don't like. I'm going to downplay that, 
That it flies in the face, I think, of the spirit of the Ninth Commandment. Uh, as usual, let's look at the Catechism on the Catechism, also known as the Yeah, But What Else Does This Require book. Uh, what is the first inference from thence? Good question, right? It was on everybody's mind. Answer, that the best Christians have cause to be humbled for sins of the tongue, whereby God is dishonored and others are injured. And then James 3 is given as the proof text. The best Christians have cause to be humbled for sins of the tongue, whereby God is dishonored and others are injured. What does it say in James 3 about that? About who it is that falls under the sins of the tongue. It has to do with taming animals. Right, so every, every animal we've domesticated under the sun, but no one yet has been able to tame his tongue. That is the one animal that is, it remains feral. And then he goes on to describe the absolute carnage that can result from this one tiny little part of your body. Uh, and he uses three different metaphors. Uh, Hebrews, then James there, Zach. Does anybody have that James chapter 3? Uh, verse 1 and go all the way through verse 12. Sure. Not many of you should become teachers, uh, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a spark, or sorry, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. That is a kind of recurring theme for James, the, the double-souled Daipsukas man who seems to produce the good and the bad at the same time. And James says, this isn't possible. It's going to, one will pollute the other. Uh, and so when we praise, you know, you, you have that old phrase, you kiss your mother with that mouth, right? When we praise God, and then we turn and slander someone or curse someone, perhaps the question should be, you praise your savior with that mouth that's that's not uh in keeping with the whole notion of separation that's painstakingly over centuries illustrated for us in the old testament right that these people are set apart to the point where they don't even wear a blend of two kinds of fabrics where they don't you know they, all of their laws are designed to say this is a separate people holy unto the lord and then we get into this well yeah but i can praise god and talk about christ and then all this other 
wicked stuff also comes out of the same stream. And what are we chalk it up to? Freedom in Christ? Remember, don't use your freedom as license. And we have to be very careful about the tongue. Uh, I'm very blessed to say that I, this is one area I never struggle with uh, at all. Uh, my, my speech is perfectly pure all the time. Uh, no, everyone, everyone does. That is the first inference from this, that the best Christians, that's definitely me, have, <laughs> that, that the best Christians have caused to be humbled for sins of the tongue whereby God is dishonored and others are injured. I think of the, the passage, take heed anyone who thinks he stand lest he fall. And we get to a point where we think we've kind of got our sins under control. Simply go back to your speech and say, how have I failed to honor God with my tongue, with my speech, with the way I talk about others, the way I speak to people in authority over me, the way I speak to maybe my children, the way I speak to or about the authorities in general. I mean, there's no end to how our tongues can start these fires or steer us off course uh, like a rudder or a, or a bit in the, in the mouth of a horse. Um, I wonder if, Steve, would you be so good as to uh, lead us through these other proof texts that we have not read yet? And I'm, I'm talking about Zechariah 8, 1 Peter 3, 16, Acts 25, 10. Do you have those on your on your sheet? And perhaps if there's any discussion that comes out of those, uh, that could be worthwhile. Uh, in any remaining time, uh, we'll ask uh, Sherman to answer questions or share experiences from the Gideons. I don't know if you've... No, you haven't. I was going to say, I don't know if you've ever been to those pastor's dinners, but why would you have been? Uh, when you hear the people talk all these stories about uh, the way people have been saved um, when someone handed them a Gideon's Testament... Yeah, you can listen to those things all day long. So uh, that should take us, I think, to 10.30. I do apologize. Again, I have to attend to something kind of urgent. So would you come up here, Steve, so that your voice is uh, yes on the, on the machine? And remember, if you slander me while I'm absent, I'll hear it because you're recording it. And then you can never sit at my table again. <laughs> all right. So he asked us to look at these proof texts. All right, I've got my U version open. So Zechariah eight sixteen. I'll do this one, and then maybe we can get volunteers for the next ones. Eight sixteen says, "These are the things you are to do: speak the truth to each other, and render true and sound judgment in your courts. Do not plot evil against each other, and do not love to swear falsely. I hate all this," declares the Lord. So that one speaks to sound judgment in courts. That's a little different. Uh, anyone want to do the first Peter 3.16? Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Yeah, I think that's a high bar. I think about that sometimes a lot. Is like if people know I'm a Christian and then they hear the way I'm speaking, am I providing a good witness? And it sounds like that verse is speaking to that idea directly. Yeah. Of course, I forget all the time and do it anyways. Uh, um, what about Acts 25.10? Anyone got that one? Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court, where I ought to be, a f be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews as you 
yourselves know very well. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by the, those Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. Wow, thanks, Maggie. That's an interesting one. I wonder why that one was the proof text here. Anybody want to? Talking about how it's false accusations of being brought to court. Okay. Good. That's a good point. So when we are maybe like the subject of false accusations, we can stand up and speak the truth to that. Yeah, good point. Thanks, Cam. Um, okay, the next one on the list here is Third uh, John, one, uh, verse twelve. Third right, John, one, twelve. I think I can do that one here. Uh, Demetrius is well spoken of, of by everyone, and even by, yeah, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. Oh, I like that one because that's kind of speaking highly of one of the Christian brothers in their circles. So that's, that's interesting too, is once you build a reputation of having good character, people will speak highly of you. And that's always a blessing, right? It's easy to trash our character, I'll say that, you know, when we start talking too much with that wicked tongue. Um, and then the last one on the list was Proverbs 14, 5 and 25, or maybe, maybe 5 through 25. Proverbs 14, 5. Truthful witness does not deceive, but a fault, false witness pours out lies. Twenty-five is a truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. Mm -hmm. 